Hello and welcome to episode one of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week to discuss all things Miami Marlins, we have Lee Dobbs, Dan Healy, and Rob Newell. How are we doing, guys? Hi, I'm good. All good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Excellent, great. Uh, good to have you all along. I mean, there's four of us here, four Marlins fans in the UK. Probably more than yeah. was at the stadium a few times last season. So, <laughs> <laughs> shots fired early doors. Let's, <laughs> um, um, for the thousands of listeners um, patching into this, let's do a quick round of intros. So, uh, yeah, my name's Rob Newell, and I've been a uh, Marlins fan for about 10 years and a baseball fan for about 20 years now. Um, I got into baseball um, just by by chance, by catching it on Channel 4, I think it was at the time, Channel 5, and I followed various teams, and it wasn't until I started visiting the States and uh, and went to Miami that I really picked Miami as a team. And, um, and my first game uh, was in 2012. Um, Stanton hit a grand slam um, against, against the Colorado Rockies as well, which is topical because uh, that's the, the first uh, series we've got. Um, and, yeah, I was absolutely hooked from there on in. And, uh, um, yeah, at that point, it looked like uh, we were building a really, really good side. But, obviously, history proved to be very different after that. We, we still are, but it's just a little bit uh, delayed. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, great to have you on. Um, let's, um, let's throw it over to, uh, to Dan uh, for a quick intro, if you can. Yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah. Um, my name's Dan Healy. Um, I'm from Essex. And um, I actually got into baseball via um, basketball, actually. My younger brother... Uh, was an Orlando fan. He uh, told me that the basketball season was about to start, said it's a sport that he thought I would really enjoy and um, to give it a go. So just to wind him up, um, I chose Miami for a bit of rivalry. Um, he was right. Within a week, I loved basketball. Um, with basketball and the MLB uh, seasons starting at very similar times, I thought, well, okay, let's let's start going across the spectrum and Let's get involved with a bit of uh, with a bit of baseball, and then obviously uh, NFL and and the NHL as well. And ever since then, I've just for the last two to three years just become uh, addicted to the whole lot. And uh, I'm I'm actually really pleased that even though Marlins are uh, going through a bit of a, a reset at the moment, it's nice to see a Miami organisation that have got at least a plan going forward. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, pleased to be here, guys. Cheers. Excellent. Well, in effect, you're in. Uh, all year round US sports mm -hmm. fans. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how does that work from a sleeping perspective? Do you, do oh, you sleep? It's tough. Uh, it's tough, yeah. yeah it's, um, I, tr I try to watch as much as I can uh, in the UK friendly times, but um, it's pretty much every day there's some form of Miami sport on, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Top man. Um, great. Well, uh, last but not least, uh, we've got Lee, Lee Dobbs. Yeah, hi guys. Yeah, I'm Lee. So I've been a Marlins fan for almost 20 years now, since the early 2000s. 
So I've seen us win a World Series. One of the lucky few. Uh, similar to Dan, I started out as a Heat fan in basketball in the late 90s. I think the highlights were on ITV at the time, on a Saturday morning. I followed Miami then. I think I started following Miami because of the film Ace Ventura. And also I recognised Miami from there. Then I became a Dolphins fan like just straight after that. And it took another few years to get in, into baseball, but once I did, I was hooked. Obviously, and we won a World Series quite quick after that. And we haven't done much else since, really. But <laughs> we've, we've had, had the ups and downs, a few rebuilds. But hopefully this is the year when it truly starts all coming together again. We can challenge, hopefully, in the, I mean, if not this year, in the next few years at least. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's good to see other Marlins fans across the UK. And hopefully we can get a few more now yeah, with this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Great. Uh, thanks for that, that Lee. And uh, yeah, from my side, uh, for those uh, for those who don't know, which will be most people, um, I was similar maybe to, to Bob, where I uh, yeah went on holiday, discovered the Marlins, and was totally blown away by Stan. Um, and he, to me, was just incredible. Um, again, hit a home run in that game against the Diamondbacks. Um, I actually missed the home run itself. I was in the club store and I'd buy that jersey when he decided to launch <laughs> into, uh, into left field. Um, as for present, who are we taking? Well, I'll start and I I think still for me, Stanton. And I, I think it was so saying about that grand slam, I saw him hit against the Rockies and it was just the way he built the crowd up as well, because when it was bases loaded, he came in and the whole crowd lifted for him. We're all on our feet. You know, we get uh, laughed at, at having low, poor crowds, but that was a fairly decent crowd. And the noise when he hit that grand slam was magic. So, yeah, to me, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely Stanton. Oh, of course, Brad Ziegler as well. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> He's a good guy, Brad, for sure, but <laughs> there was a few too many hairy moments last season, I think, uh, from the Zig. But what about you, Lee? What, I mean, you, you date back yeah, a, thought... a few years, so you've got a few to choose from, I think. I, saw, I mean, Stanton is, I mean, I, saw, I think it's going to be a, 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 a familiar theme here that Stanton is obviously our best player we've probably ever had as a franchise. Shame he can stay a bit longer, but I saying he, the moments he brought to the game. So even when there was you know low attendance and you know the record was poor, like every time he came up to bat, at least he thought something might happen, which wasn't true for like half the team. But like saying Stanton, going back a few years, Donchell Willis was is my favourite from the early when he came up as a rookie in 2003 with uh, Miggy you know, Cabrera when they came up together. And that was exciting times. We actually had a decent team for a good few years there. Before they got traded away. So the 2008-2009 teams were good. That was the last time we actually properly challenged all the way for the for the wild card. With like with uh, Mike Jacobs and Hanley Ramirez, Dan Ugler, that be that good crop of players. Which if I remember, all hit 30 home runs, and I think we're still the only infield to have all hit 30 home runs in one season. So that so they were exciting times. But yeah, Stanton overall, just for what he brought to the team. He's the best player we've ever had, yeah. 
Dan, what are you taking? You go in the full house? Uh, I've got to go for the full house. Yeah, not um, <laughs> not not got the uh, the the experience that you you guys have got in terms of the history of it because I'm new to the sport. But yeah, just for the one season that I did see him, um, yeah, just stands. I mean, Yelich was great as well. I liked seeing him, and even now I've got some favourites with uh, with JT Riddle and people like that. But yeah, um, yeah, Stanton without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's not unsurprising, I'd say, but. <laughs> Uh, I think the the key question now for us really is, you know, who has the potential to be that type mm-hmm. of player? You know, who who on the roster right now, or maybe they aren't on the roster right now, but who are we thinking is that that guy that is going to bring that level of excitement to the fans every time he's at the plate? Who are we thinking? Well, the the, the person who it should really be is, is Lewis Brinson because yeah. he was the the standout sort of trade piece, really, uh, that was, you know, there was the pain of Yelich going, but you had someone mm-hmm. coming in with enormous potential. And what happened last year was a bit unfortunate. Um, he looked quite good in spring training. So, you know, we're all a bit tentative whether he can be the next guy. But I think the big problem here is you're looking for a Stanton replacement or a Yelich replacement. That's not there. And I think what we should really be focusing on is the pitching. Because apart from Jose Fernandez and, 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 you know, the sad story behind that, there really hasn't been anyone the last 10 years pitching wise you could really properly get excited about. And now I think we have. And I know, I, you know, there's like Pablo Lopez, um, you know, uh, we've got obviously Urania, but I, there are quite a few, uh, uh, you know, pitchers there that could become real, real fan favourites. Mm. Richard's Caleb Smith. Yeah, I agree. Sounds the the, uh, the strength of the Marlins is completely flipped on its head, I guess. From where we were yeah. 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 So yeah, there we go. All right, excellent. Well, let's um, we won't dwell uh, too long in the past, but it's mm-hmm. good to uh, it's good to take stock of year one of the rebuild um, and, and have a look back at, at 2018. So, Lee, did you, in 2018, what were the highlights? What were the lowlights? What's that? In year one. Well, I mean, there was a... For me, there was a few lowlights. Well, well, more than a few, I suppose, as the record suggests. But actually, overall, I mean, 63 wins was actually more... And what a lot of people actually predicted. I was seeing record, you know, predictions for losses, and and I think for a time we actually held our own quite quite well. So we had a few injuries, but overall, I, I thought last year was a good starting block for some of the young players. Obviously, there were some some struggles with Princeton, but Brian Anderson I thought came on well. Maybe he sort of tailed off towards the end a bit, but he started off well. So and I think there is hope you know, for the future there. They did come come through last year. So I saying the pitching started to come through with Smith, Lopez. They they showed that they're worth it. Uh, Richards as well. Yeah, he he proved that that they all belong in the big leagues. So yeah, I think then saying the highlight from well, one of the highlights for me was when Lewis Brinson hit two home runs in his return to to, like, to the Brewers. One of the yeah. yeah the few really big games he did have, which was one of the most you know really exciting for us to see him you know, go back there. And sort of prove 
no, you could do it still, like actually coming in, you know, in, in the big leagues. Yeah, like I said, there, there, there was more low lights, but so one of the lowest ones I remember was I think facing the Braves on a Sunday night or Sunday you know, afternoon for us, and it was I think we were leading by six going in, into the ninth and blew it completely <laughs> in style, which yes, I had, had me throwing, throwing the laptop out the, <laughs> the window, but yeah, that was probably, that was the lowest of the lows. Definitely. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that one. I remember that, watching that game vividly. I've never been more upset watching a baseball yeah. game than that one. Yeah, it was... fell apart so spectacularly. Yeah, yeah. and um, who... Um, you've, met, you've touched on a, a few players already. Prince and Anderson. Yeah. Um, anyone else that you're particularly excited by? Uh, let's see. Well, last year, saying last year, it was all mainly just the pitching. I think that was coming through. You saw just coming through there. So, yeah, and obviously you got some more in the minor leagues who haven't actually come up yet, who were there ready. But yeah, saying, I, I think the improvements of Anderson in the year was, I think, my biggest takeaway that he showed he can do it again after a you know, decent end to the 2017 season. I think that, that was my biggest takeaway. And I think he yeah. has the potential to be the sort of face of the franchise for the next few years. And I think he's the one we should maybe look at signing to a long-term deal first, if, if he obviously agrees to it. But yeah, that's... I said, and on the pitching side, I think they all came along and showed me you know, the release of Australia recently that they're already... I think last year helped. I know they, they took their lumps, but yeah, they're always going to do it. I think it was worth worth just keeping them up in the bigs like we did last year. I think yeah, yeah. it worked out well in the end. Should should prove them well for the for the future. I think that that year of experience for those guys, uh, they all showed flashes. They all showed yeah. signs. They all got hurt as well. I think as well. You know, yeah, that's it. So, yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to see how they they manage this year. Yes, uh, like saying, we, yeah. we we could limit their innings. Maybe, but that's one of the good things about having Chen in the bullpen. He can start if, if needed. At home, though, <laughs> don't don't start him on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What about what about uh, what about you, Rob? Uh, highlights from last year, or any particular lowlights? <laughs> well, uh, the highlights um, very similar to what I actually saw in spring training it was the pitching, which was really surprising because going into last year, we had no idea how bad we could be. Uh, and the, the fear was, OK, we've, we've, you know, traded away our outfield. And now we've got loads of young pitchers um, and a very sort of dodgy, slightly broken one in Chen. Uh, what are we going to be like? And it was a surprise to see, you know, we, we talk about you know, Trevor Richards. He was playing indie ball two seasons before yes. this for the Gateway Grizzlies. And to just rise up that quickly and be that good. Uh, was a real, real surprise. Um, you know, uh, uh, Pablo Lopez and and uh, Caleb Smith was kind of almost like a, a throwaway part of a uh, of a pickup, really, from the Yankees. So, uh, and the way he pitched was really good. And when he got injured, I thought, oh, you know, here we go. We're, we're you know back into the same old problems we've had with our, you know, injury issues with with pitching. But um, there is uh, that was you know that aside. That was the real, real good part of that, and and Brian Anderson as well, as well. Just you know, just looking the part. The negative 
of course, was our complete and our meltdowns we, we had. And it was really interesting because at one point, our belt ball pen looked amazing. You had that kind of um, sort of Ziegler, Steckenrider, and then Barraclaw. And they and they we went on a really good run where they, they were just, you know, picking up saves. And even when you mixed and matched or put Conley in there or Guerrero, it looked really, really good. And then it just completely went wrong. And of course, we had the, the you know Tazawa as well um, going in oh. full meltdown. Um, I forgot about Tazawa. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. um, wow. So there was, uh, yeah, there was, uh, you know, there was some pretty bad games out there. Um, although that did lead, I can't remember which game it was. It was good the Phillies where Brian Holiday um, uh, ended up pitching, which was quite quite amusing. Um, but. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I think that was. We'll, we'll take the positives from last year. I think in in the pitching yeah. and forget the negatives. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. And, and and Dan, any anything from your side that you can think of? We haven't mentioned already. Highlights. Or... Um. Well, highlights, not so many. Um. Yeah, I'll probably <laughs> the, the the echo um uh, of saying how well Anderson come across. I mean, I think he was a rookie of the year candidate in the end, even though it was. He sort of came into the back end of 2017. But, um, yeah, I thought he's, uh, I think he hit the most runs for us, in fact, last year, which I thought was, was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So that's a definite highlight. Um, the, the low lights, as you just said, about the, you know how many, the losing count of how many uh, ninth innings um, <laughs> throwaways that we, we let go. Um, and uh, one that definitely sticks in the mind is uh, absolutely zooming home from work um, for opening day last year, just running through the door, getting it on, and just seeing the first pitch get hit out of the park. And I thought, oh, okay, we're off and running. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that wasn't particularly nice, but um, yeah, there's, there's, um, <laughs> there was there was a couple of highlights in there, a couple of nice walk offs. I remember, especially I think the Cubs. Um, in the um, in the first series, where it went to about seventeen innings and 17, finally yeah. got that walk off, that was uh, <laughs> that was pleasing. So yeah, yeah. I think that that Cubs game, I think, personified what the Marlins last year were about. They <clears> they just they were grinders, um, and that yeah. that wins kind of who they were. And I think they just ran out of gas in the back half of the season. Really, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of where they were at. I think they were punching. The early parts, but yeah, yeah, it was good. Excellent. Well, I think we've uh, covered most of the highlights. Uh, I noted a few down ahead of the podcast, and the only one that I think is is missing from my list uh, was the uh, Jose Arania Ronald Acuna uh, hit by pitch. Uh, <laughs> I think broadly that that gained uh, the most coverage from the wider the wider baseball community through the season. If you guys uh, remember that one. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I remember watching it and at the time, uh, I don't know, thinking, has he just done that on purpose? Because <laughs> the fact that Acuna had hit so many home runs, you know, straight off at the, you he know, pitch at, home run, wasn't even on a run of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I then, the thing was, I went on Twitter and started to defend him a bit for some reason and <laughs> saying that, look, you got to know Urania in the fact that he hits loads of yeah, batters. Yeah. And he's always had a bit of a problem when he's tried to get it sort of sort of really close to the batsman's hands. 
and um, uh, and that's when he tends to kind of kind of hit. And but the thing was, was that that pitch was his fastest pitch he'd done that year, and I think it was in his head. I'll get it close to him. It will be fast. I'll shake him up. Um, but he ended up hitting him. Well, that's my defence. He may have really wanted to hit him. But the, <laughs> the, the thing about that and the, the total meltdown from the, the Braves fans that happened afterwards as well and, and uh, um, you know, the kind of overdramatic uh, interviews with, with the Braves management um, and players was, was when um, you're only a play, uh, pitched next, uh, which was against the Nationals. And it was a complete game. And all those fast pitches, or that fast pitch he'd done against um, Acuna, he suddenly was doing more regularly. Suddenly he found another couple of mile an hour on his fastball and looked really unplayable. So whatever the negative of that was, the positive was that turned Urania into, a, into an ace. The only problem we've got is that the Braves are in our division. And at some point, we, you know, Urania is going to have to pitch against the Braves at some point. That's going to have to be in Atlanta. And at some point, he's going to be batting against them as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all ready for that when that happens. Uh, yes. Should be should be interesting. Well, I I think um, yeah, we've covered off most of the 2018 topics, but I think what rounded the season off in many ways was the Riabuto trade, but talked about on off for months I guess um, dragged on and on for ages <laughs> exactly I mean where, where are we sitting on that I mean the initial reaction I saw from the Phillies side was felt like they felt like they'd overpay but time to tell I guess but what are we thinking was win-win I think it's um, I think it's a quite a, it's a tight trade because in my opinion I think we've let go that the well we've not let go. He was always going to go, but that in my opinion, probably the best catcher, certainly certainly the top three catcher in in whole of MLB. Um, and you only look at it as though, well, what what can we say we've got? Well, we've got a decent replacement. You know, um, Alfaro's you know is a, is a competent catcher. He's got a good arm. He can bat. Um, and then we've got a, a very good uh, prospect, an elite prospect, apparently, in, uh, in six star. I haven't seen anything of him, but from what I hear, and he's supposed to be, um, uh, you know, everyone's very excited about him. And um, I forgot the, the name of the guy, the, the third guy we got in that trade. Um, but, you know, from, from, Stuart, I think. yeah, that's it. That's it, Stuart. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, we, we've, took, we've, we've taken a, a decent deal there from what was being touted around to almost every team in baseball. I think that they've done okay there. I think we've done okay. Tough position, tough negotiation position to be in when everyone knows you're selling. (laughs) It's it's hard to make a good deal. It was quite a relief, actually, when he went, because it was such a distraction. And I think it was that last piece. We'd all been talking about it all last season. Was he going to be, you know, traded at... Uh, you know, at the waiver deadline, what when was he going to be traded? And um, then it was postseason. You know, what, what's going to happen? Is he going to be traded straight away? You know, come November or, or what's going to happen? And it went on and on. And you kind of, you know, I was a little bit worried that he might remain with us, which is a strange thing to say when he is the best catcher uh, in the MLB. But 
you know full well that he's not part of the future plan. He didn't want to sign another contract with us. Um, so that's that. You have to trade him. And I think those, you know, the prospects look good. Well, it, you know, Alfaro, you know, I know it's a bit tricky because we don't quite know uh, how he's going to do. He looked quite good last year for the Phillies. He injured himself early on in spring training. But um, I think he's going to be a decent replacement. I don't think we'll miss Real Muto too much from the catching perspective. But it is Sanchez, which is the big... The, the way, way we win or lose that deal is going to be on Sanchez. If he comes through, then, um, yeah, we've won yeah. that deal. 100%. It's going to be hard. You might have to wait a few years to see who actually wins that trade till he does come through, yeah, even next year, probably most likely. But like I, said, I would like to say he, had, he was going to go anyway, so we had to get something for him because he was never going to sign long-term. So, and, I, and I think we got to... Saying, I think overall it's probably a win-win for for both sides. I think on the whole, yeah. at, at this moment in time, yeah, yeah, I think I tend to agree. Well, you're right. It's going to be a few years till we can fully analyse it, but uh, either way, the Phillies are happy as well. Best best catcher in baseball for the Phillies, mm-hmm. so you know it's a good piece for them. So we'll we'll put 2018 behind us. Uh, we're now almost right at the end of Japan. Um, so, you know, be useful. I know, Rob, you've spent, you've watched most of the games, I think, which is unbelievable dedication for spring training. <laughs> so what's, what's the themes coming out of spring training from Marlins camp? Well, yeah, I, I normally don't get that excited about spring training, but I think, I think the off-season was, was so boring with the whole Bryce Harper <laughs> and Machado thing oh. that I, I, you know, uh, I needed some kind of uh, normality of watching some play um but i thought i know spring training is reasonably meaningless in, in to try to predict how we're going to do next year but there were some real real big things that came out of spring training and not just the fact we won 11 in a row um but the reason why we won those games and and did quite well in spring training was through the pitching um so you know the uh the 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 standout player from spring training was Pablo Lopez, um, you know, 20 innings pitched um, and out of that only two earned runs, um, uh, 16 strikeouts. He just, you know, really low whiff of 0.55. Yes, it's spring training, but he looked unplayable and he really did look like a superstar. And um, um, Trevor Richards was the same 19 innings pitched um, 20 strikeouts, um, just looked absolutely magic. His tra- change-up, I think, is one of the best in MLB. It's totally unplayable. They, you know, uh, you know, just the way it dips, the 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 off pace. It, it, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and and him and Lopez have that kind of ability just to change things about. They're very unpredictable, and they really really stood out. But um, yeah, um, Alcantara looked looked good. Um, let a few more walks go, and that was a that was a, a I think a, a a key thing amongst most of the, uh, the 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 starters that they had really good discipline. Um, very little walks. Um, you know, we were seeing a lot of ground balls come out, and as 
spring training went on and on and you know the opponents rosters became more refined and you were playing more and more tough teams we seem to be able to cope with it really really well and that's really really promising so um and then the the icing on the cake was 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 Caleb Smith him um you know uh, coming out of injury didn't know what he was going to look like and he looked exactly the same as he did just before he got injured and that was where we obviously then had the Dan Straley release because the thing was is that you know rather than I think what they thought at the start of the season where you know out of these young pitchers one or two will, will, will get there well actually you know it was Lopez, Richards, Alcantara and Smith all looked you know the real deal and so that's where Straley missed out which is a shame really really like Dan Straley um, but the other thing is, which I also think um, caused the the strike to be released, was the fact that uh, Zach Gallen um, pitched in the in the last game, um, which I believe was against St Louis, and um, in he, five innings and looked, you know, really good seven strikeouts, um, yeah, and just thought, right, well, if one of the other, you know, uh, pitchers gets injured, actually we've got someone who's ready to go up straight away. Um, so, so that's from the pitching side, really good. And also got to say the bullpen, um, ignoring Chen, of course, um, for me, <laughs> um, also looked really good. And some interesting additions like Nick Anderson from the twins looked really, really good. And, um, looks like an interesting addition, lots of strikeouts. Um, then uh, there was uh, Riley Farrell as well, who unfortunately is now injured. Mm. He's a rule five pick from, uh, Houston, which I also his name came up quite a bit in the early days when in the Real Muto trade when they were talking about which players we could be getting from Houston, which was quite interesting. Um, uh, but um, yeah, he, he looked good. Hopefully, um, he can get fit again. Um, and of course, uh, Sergio Romo. Um, for the first time in a long while, it feels like we've got a proper closer. I know, you know, he was used very much as a uh, kind of that opener role last year. <laughs> But he looked like a proper closer. And yep. so the the initial fear at the start of the season or start of spring training being, mm, well, you know, are, is it, well, are we going to be relying on Stefan Ryder who can be, you know, really, really lights out sometimes and then sometimes quite poor um, and Connolly as well um, as closers? Um, I think we've got a lot more depth in there than uh, potentially what we had before. And uh, in defence of Chen, he did pitch quite well a couple of times, but I think him as a long reliever might work well because over the last few seasons, our long relief have basically been players just to stick in and eat innings when the opener is done really badly. Yeah. And those games tend to be sort of almost throwaway games because they're not yeah. going to win. But but sticking Chen in might give us a chance uh, and when the season goes on uh, and the younger arms get more and more tired, I think we could rely on Chen quite a bit. Um, so ignore his expensive contract and just, just you know, when they're bad days, you want him to eat those innings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think if we're just moving on to the the batting was, um, you know, that was was really, really interesting, and especially in the outfield. Because at the start of the season, it was very much, OK, we're going to have, uh, there's going to be Brinson there, there's going to be Peter O'Brien, Austin Dean. 
And the strange thing is, actually, um, when when you kind of look at it, then the, the I think the best outfielder there was was Austin Dean. His batting was was fantastic. He had a three six four um, average. Um, his on base percentage was in the four hundreds, and he just seemed to make contact all the time. He looked really really good. Um, it was a little bit surprising that he was sent down to, to Nola, but maybe that's because he's got those options. Um, because the other guy who's also lights out and can play um, left field is Garrett Cooper, uh, or right field. And he's uh, potentially he's, he's, he's taken Peter O'Brien's position away. But this was the Garrett Cooper that we thought we were getting last year until he got injured. Someone who um, gets a lot of contact on the bat, looked good in the outfield as well I personally would rather see him or O'Brien maybe in the infield at first base but um, otherwise yeah look decent so our outfield as it stands of having sort of Brinson um, uh, Cooper and Curtis Granderson out there as well I I think will be okay you know uh, Granderson's obviously that experienced head to try and guide that young team through but um, I would like to see Austin Dean and Peter O'Brien get a go this year, and I think they will. It's going to be a long season. Um, then into the infield, um, Brian Anderson just just looked like the Brian Anderson of last year. Looked absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, even even Prado picked it up at the end. Um, but my real issue with Martin Prado, as much as I've, I've loved watching him as a player over the years, especially for the Braves. Um, he looked pretty awful at first base, I think, um, to be blunt. Um, it doesn't look like his natural position. He looks like he's still quite worried, um, especially when he's um, running to first base as well. Um, when he's batting, he's very slow. And I, I don't know how much longer you can keep a guy there unless he's going to really, really, you know, you know be a power bat. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather see Garrett Cooper or Peter O'Brien playing at, at first base. Um, are we thinking? Are we thinking Prado starting first base, or I, I wasn't sure if Walker might be uh, Neil Walker might be in the mix there as well. Yeah, I think that's more of a platoon situation, isn't it? Because um, at the moment you've only got Starling Castro as the second baseman. There isn't anyone else really there for second base. Yeah. So I think it's the the, the where you're going to sort of put. You know, Prado can't play every day anyway, so it is going to be between him and Walker. Um, uh, Neil Walker looked, especially at the end of spring training, hit a few home runs. He did look like he could add some power. He, he's he's decent at first base as well. Um, necessary, hey? the, the the lineup seemingly lacks a little bit of power, I think, at the moment. Yeah, and that, and, and that was really shown through spring training as well. It, it, there wasn't many home runs. Um, we did have um, you know, Alvarez there, who's now been released, who'd hit a few home runs and looked quite powerful. Um, Brinson hit five home runs quite early on, then tailed off a little bit, um, which is the, this is the Brinson concern, is that is he very inconsistent? Um, but um, the, other, the other thing with the infield is Riddle and, and um, Rojas, and I think Rojas is, has got to be the, the main man there. Out of anyone... Um, uh, this uh, spring training, he was the best. Um, you know, forty-one at bats, eighteen hits. Um, you know, um, out of that, uh, his average was four three nine. 
on base percentage, 452, nearly 500 slugging percentage. Looks uh, just like every time he went out to bat. And also, he feels like like the captain. I know Prado is the yeah. captain, but he is really uh, a big leader in that dressing room. A lot of fun. We all know he's the the monkey who does all those shaving yeah. cream pies at the uh, <laughs> the end of the the games, and he's a real real character. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's that's that. And of course, the catch is is, is Alfaro. Bit sad to see Brian Holiday. I understand today that he is going to uh, start in New Orleans, with yeah, exactly. Cat, uh, which is really good because I prefer him to Wallach. I really do. Really uh, um, um, I think the thing is with Wallach last year was they hit, went on that massive run. It was about 30 innings pitched in a row where they didn't concede a run. Um, but um, I still think Holiday is, is a better um, uh, uh, you know, catcher to, to get to, to catch runners on base. So um, his back we'll... came through. I, was, I, I remember just a few critical games or moments where Holiday delivered something. An RBI or something like that. He had um, two walk-offs last year. Yeah, uh, there you go. yeah. So that, that that's that's. I'm glad he's still there. Um, but so yeah, that that was that was the rundown of the, the team and how they performed and how we ended up with with that that roster. But overall, it looked really really promising. Um, yeah. And I think just the, the last thing to talk about is some of the younger players that played. There was some real real promise there, and it feels for the first time he, that. You know, actually, in the next few years, we're going to see some, um, you know, real, real decent, um, uh, you know, players come up. Where in the past, if you Stanton, your Yelich got injured, there was no one there. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like there's going to be some real, real good competition. Yeah, it was nice to get some glimpses of Victor Victor as well, eh? And, uh... Yeah, it's a shame he got he he picked up a small injury, um, and um, maybe in some ways. Um, the silver lining is that'll take a little bit of hype away from him because yeah. he's obviously he's, he's, it looks like he's the future they want to do the future face of the, mm-hmm. the franchise and um but um instead there was people like sort of brian miller who looked quite good as as an outfielder um uh bat, and, and there was a few others that came up and he thought actually it's not just Victor Victor and all yeah. the hype there. There, there is some real, real promise. And we've already, already talked about, so you know, Zach Gallon, Nick Nider, in uh, looked really good pitching as well. Um, um, so yeah, there's there's good hope for the future there. Excellent. Well, I tell you, that is you've probably covered spring training. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most I'm of the beat writers, mate, we're done. <laughs> an incredible, <laughs> incredible coverage. Two main takeaways that I had were the 11-game franchise tying industry. <laughs> and equally now, Chen, the highest-paid reliever in the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, $20 million a year, highest-paid reliever. <laughs> Big well, money. yeah, this is the problem. And I think... One of the things probably to talk about when we're now going to talk about the 2019 season is how long do you hold on to him for? Um, mm-hmm. If he's eating the innings, fine. If he's eating the innings with lots of home runs, then how long? You've got to pay him anyway. Would you rather have a younger pitcher in there sort of, you know, taking their lumps rather than have him, you know, causing havoc? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think time will tell. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally hope he gets off to a good start in that new role 
and then yeah. it's, it's palatable then. But if he's if he's delivering Tazawa like it's all, you know, you know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Rob, that was that was awesome for uh, mm-hmm. spring training I'm Rob. review, definitely. Um, Dan, when we're looking ahead now to 2019, I think. You know, the key question that I've got in my mind is what can we expect from the Marlins this year? What What's the expectation? What does success look like for the Marlins? Well, I think it's fair to say that we're going to win the World Series, you know. No, I mean, you know, it, it's no secret um, the Marlins are going to lose this year, that everyone's predicted that they're going to finish, finish fifth that's you know that's a certainty. Um, I'm ball, pretty sure. Ball. We'll come to predictions at the end. Okay. Uh, okay. No you know, I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Um. I'm, you know, it, it's it's a reset. It's a it's a second full year of uh, of the process in in process. Um. You know, I I think that we in terms of the players that we've got, the young players. I think that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's no secret that you know that we're, we're going to lose this year, and we're we're not expected to do anything other than that. I think from our point of view, the the fact that it, it is a reset, um, it always looks a bit terrible when you look at the ground; it's empty and so on. It's part of you know that's part of it. The casual fans won't like it, but the real fans understand the reason why. You know, we're, you've got a reset. You've got to see what the bigger picture. I think every time I hear um, Derek Jeter speak, I, I, I firmly believe in what he's saying. I think he comes across very well. I think the enhancements that he's done um, to the ballpark and the rebrand have been absolutely fantastic. Um, even small things like that really get a lot of people on side. Um, and I think that what I want to see is the young players that made progress last year, like your Andersons, well, Princeton, not so much, but we, 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 I think we've got a lot of expectation on him this year. Um, and the farm system, the bullpen, I think it all looks a lot stronger to what it was, especially the bullpen. I think, you know, it's, as we've already sort of mentioned, it's come full circle to what we did have. Um, I'm re- very excited to see what we're doing in terms of pitching this year. Um, yeah, a little bit concerned about the lack of firepower, um, but I want to see... I want to see progression of these young guys. I think that the one good thing about a um, a reset is the fact that you can just enjoy the fact that we're going to lose, and if we're going to if we're going to win, that's great. You know, you, you you tune in probably expecting to lose. There's no real expectations there, but and and the wins will when they come along is it will be a nice thing to see with with some guys that are going to chip in and and you know do the job that we hope they will do because I think that. That's what you want to say. I don't really want to see as much as I admire them, your, your Prados and Castros and people like that. I don't want to see the progress being hampered by so much game time with those guys. I don't really see what else we can do really at the moment because the roster's a bit thin. But um, yeah, I think that it's it's just about taking the next step to progression to maybe this time next year or certainly in 2021 being a competitive team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds Sounds fair. Well, I suppose it leads us nicely on to Dan. What you think? What what we what we predicting for 
win-loss total for this year? Well, I've um, I I think we we will lose somewhere between 100 and 110 this year. But me being what I am, as a little bit of an optimist, I'm actually going for one game better than our record last year. So I'm going for a, I'm going for a 65 and 97 Marlins record this year. I think that feels fair. So that's okay. Um, yeah. What about you guys? What, Lee, what are you saying? Uh, so I actually think we might actually surprise you know a, a few people actually. You know, we, we, with that rotation. I think we might catch a, catch a few off guard, and I think there's hope that we could actually improve the record, maybe about 68 wins. But like I said I think there's hope. Like I said I think we're going to be quite a streaky team. I think at times, which we are going to get with the young, especially with, like, with the young rotation, they might have a couple of turns where they they get shelled a bit, but then they're bound. Like I say I think we could lose about seven in a row at one point. Yeah. But then likewise, we might go on a hot winning streak as well in one month. So I think, obviously, the only bad thing is obviously we're playing in a, a very tough division. Yeah, and it's got stronger gonna, as yeah. well, isn't it? Yes, yeah. which is going to impact maybe the record, what it could have been if we were in a slightly easier division and you know, yeah. sort of slow the rebuild slightly. But I say, I'm optimistic that maybe 67 wins, 67 to 70 if we, if we catch them off guard. Like saying, cause I, I, mean, I remember the 2007 Marlins team where we had like, 20 rookies or something that were playing that year when when Joe Girardi was manager. Obviously, it's slightly different circumstances now, but that team surprised a lot of people at that year. So I'm hoping if we can do something similar to that, then you know, there's a chance we, we could surprise and get and, and get to 70 wins, maybe. But I'm saying optimistic as, a, as we haven't we haven't, we haven't had had like the, you know, the opening day yet, so you know you know we're all level. Yeah, um, yeah, at the moment. Let's, let's, let's go in with some some hope. We're at 500 now, yeah? So. Yeah, probably for the only <laughs> time, but... <laughs> Rob, I, I've already had a sneak peek of your projections, but I think uh, maybe for everyone who hasn't heard them. Yeah, so um, I've already shown my hand on the uh, UK Phillies uh, uh, channel on YouTube, and I've said 70 wins. And um, it may sound really, really optimistic, um, especially in a very strong league. But my argument is, is that you've got four teams all expecting to be in the postseason. They they all think they're going to be there. And there's got to be, well, two teams really are going to be disappointed at least. And I think you'll find there'll be a team, even coming up to the All-Star break, which will be, you know, really drifting away. If that ends up being the Mets or the Nationals, then you could find one of those teams blowing it up and and going for rebuild. Especially the Nationals after their really confusing season last year, where they were, you know, seemed to be destined uh, to to you know win the division, and then just looked really strange and really odd sort of dressing room things. I remember at um, you know the arguments going on. Um, there between Scherzer and, and a few of the others. And it, it seemed a bit odd. And I wonder whether we could see something similar this year because we've already seen a sort of really strange sort of Syndergaard meltdown in the Mets, a few really odd interviews. And it makes me think, is that going to all work? And so what I said um, on the UK Phillies TV was, I think the Marlins could finish fourth ahead of the Mets. 
Now that is optimistic, um, but you know the the other thing to to think about in parallels is that this isn't going to be like an AL East where you've got you know Red Sox and Yankees just completely running away with it. I don't think any of the teams are going to be hitting the one tens in wins. So they we are going to be their banana skin all year. They're going to slip up with us, especially when you have someone like a Pablo Lopez, a Trevor Richards, a Caleb Smith have, you know, or, or even, even, you know, Jose Urania have really, really good pitching performances, then suddenly we're going to scrap those wins away from them. And if one of those teams is, is lacking in confidence, we're going to pick up series. And that's where I think we'll get our 70 wins from. Yeah, I like it. Has, anyone, has <laughs> anyone else got the Marlins in fourth place or above? Well, actually, on on the the forum, yeah, the baseball fan forum, I have put the Marlins in fourth, <laughs> with the Mets in fifth. Oh, but that wow, I say that may be just me being optimistic. But I mean, I do agree with Rob that if they are struggling come June, then they may, you know, just just trade everyone away or value, and yeah, you know, and do their own reset. So yeah, I think there is there is a chance for fourth, optimistically. But yeah, we we, we can hope, and you never know. Yeah, exactly. That's bold. What about what about you, Dan? Were you you were fifth place still? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going with a fifth. I, I'm trying to be optimistic, but um, yeah, I think that um, I think at best we'll marginally beat last year's record. But um, no, I think I think that's um, that's about it for us for, for this year. Um, looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to it because because the expectations aren't there. Um, it's fun. You, you tune in to watch your team win, and if you don't win, well, that was expected. And yeah, if yeah. you do win, then then great, you know. It's, it's 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 nice to not have that pressure, which is um yeah sometimes a good thing for now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like I was saying I was like saying I was just saying that team a few years ago when like Joe Girardi's manager there was literally no ex- expectations coming in, mm-hmm. and that season was actually quite fun. You know, one of the fun seeing the rookies playing. So I think it's, yeah, if we get something similar, when when there's no expectations, it actually makes the games a bit more fun, fun to watch at times. Yeah, less stress when you're watching them. <laughs> Although yeah. still the, the meltdowns in the night can be frustrating, but yeah, okay. I think like I said sometimes when you're expecting to lose, it just makes it a bit more, you know, a bit more fun to watch. And and when you do win, it's just a bit more, you know, exciting when when you do win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Well, it's good to know we've got a balanced podcast here as a, <laughs> as a four because I'm already out there as well with my projections. They were early. I put them out early. I mean, it was early Feb. Or, no, it was late Feb, so they were out early, and I settled in at 52 minutes. <laughs> That's really low. <laughs> Very so, low. Thoughts on that, guys? Are you are you cutting ties with this podcast after episode yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> Traitor. <laughs> you trade, trade me away to the uh, the Braves podcast or something. <laughs> We'll get Urania on you. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably useful. I should, should add some context as to why. Because I feel like you need to know the why. So we uh, we started from uh, 63. Uh, for me, I've I've taken six wins away uh, with Rio Muto being traded away. I've also taken two off for, for Justin Bohr. I've taken one off for Derek Dietrich. That gets us down to 52. I've added a win on for not having Tozawa, and I've added another win on for not having Ziggler this year, closing. Uh, so that takes us to 54. 
but then I've taken another two away because uh, of the Bryce Harper move for, for the Phillies. I feel like that will uh, come to hurt the Marlins again this year. So there you go. That's how I get to 52. Uh, just struggling to see the uh, where the runs are going to come from this year. Pitching definitely looks improved for sure, but really concerned about the the lack of power uh, and at the moment lack of speed. So let's see how it goes. In terms of the NL East itself, what are we thinking? Hmm. It's a real it's tough ever, division. Yeah, it is. I mean, just as a, as a rundown, I won't, won't sort of go into the records much, but I, I've got um, I've got the Phillies winning. Uh, I've had, well, I've done ninety two seventy with the Phillies. Then I've got uh, Nationals with eighty eight and seventy four. Then I've got Braves uh, eighty five and seventy nine. Followed by Mets, 78 and 84. And then the Marlins, as we just discussed. So, yeah, Phillies, Nats, Braves, Mets, Marlins. Excuse me. Sounds good. Bye, you, Lee. Yeah, I've actually got them in, in the same order. Well, I've, I've put Marlins in fourth. But, yeah, I've got the Phillies winning the division. But I think it might be, like, literally one one game, one one two games with the Nats in the second Probably about ninety wins, eighty-eight wins, somewhere around there. Because I think they will, you know, they they will just just like beat beat each other up as well at the same time. So they won't get to like you saying the hundred hundred wins or so. And you know, Braves, I think they will take a slight step back this year. Get to because they're I think their rotation could be 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 dodgy, especially to start out 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 with. And I think if they get about eighty-four wins as well, they'd, I mean, they'd, they'd be they'd be in the mix, but. I think they'll just sort of slip away. And then, like I said, the Mets will be about 70, 78-ish wins, probably. Maybe less than that, like I said. But if they start off slow, then that's when they could decide to decide to just, just blow it up completely. And then that's, that, that could be our chance to finish above them. <laughs> that would be disappointing for the Mets, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rob? Um, yeah, so uh, I, as I, I've, I've already uh, stated before on uh, with the Phillies TV, it was it, I've gone for Phillies to, to win the division, yeah. and it just feels uh, you know uh, there was a lot of hype around Harper, but he could probably lift them, and so that's where I was thinking you know they they'll do well, um, but I totally agree with 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 Lee. I think it's going to be really really close between Phillies, Braves, and, and Nets. I don't think you can. There'll be a, just a few games between all of them. Um, the, the Nationals, in theory, should do better. But what on earth happened last year? But they've strengthened slightly. The Braves, yes, they haven't strengthened. But they surprised us all last year. And they've got players like Freeman in there, probably one of my favourite players in the MLB. Just just magic. And, um, you know, really, you know, where do you find first baseman like that? You, 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 there isn't many around. Um, although... The, uh, the Mets might have that in Pete Alonso. Um, but, um, yeah, and then, then I've said the Marlins on 70 and uh, and then the, the, the Mets just, just below us um, by a game or two. But, um, Not 52. <laughs> <laughs> no, 70 and 68, we'll, we'll say that, something like that. But, um, but that's only, that, that, you know, that, that's, it might sound unfair on the Mets, but um, they I... Yeah, I think they could be the team that, that blow up. But we'll see. Well, I hope anyway, because otherwise the Marlins will finish fifth. Yeah. 
Well, the good news is, is this this is now subject or it's now part of public record, so we'll be able to review <laughs> all of these answers at the end of the year. <laughs> Laugh at each other for how wrong we were. So we'll see. Um, all right, guys. Well, one final segment to go. Um, we've got the mailbag section, of course. The high flying podcast like this. <laughs> Been thousands of questions submitted, so we'll rattle through a couple of these quickly. Uh, we're just about at the hour mark, so I feel like uh, we've had a we've had a good just go at this on the first episode. So, um, Dan, you take the first one, I think. Um, okay. It's from Ian Kirk at, at Kirk E555, and it's Sorry, Mike, on again. It's, uh, who will lead the team in home runs? Oh, um, well, I'd like to think, following on from last year's fantastic form, uh, it was a real surprise, I think, to everyone how well we did. Um, and I can only see it getting better. Um, will be Anderson. I think that, um, you know... First of all, he's, from a third base point of view, I think he's he's going to be he's made that his own now. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and yeah, I think he I think he led in the end last year. Pretty sure he led with with runs last year um, for his first full season. He was a real surprise last year. I thought he was fantastic, as we've already sort of mentioned earlier. I think he's got the potential um, to be the face of the of the um, of the organisation. And um, I think there's a lot of hype. Rightly so, with um, Brinson um, for what he can do um, in centre field there. But I think Anderson is going to make the uh, the most runs this year for for the Marlins. I think. All right, I think that's fair. Um, right, next question: Alan Witts uh, at Witts thirteen. Uh, Lee, maybe you take this one. Player player we're most uh, looking forward to watching. Uh, players looking forward to watching. When on the hit hitting side, it's probably still Brinson, I think, because I'm just hoping he can, you know, come through a bit more now. And so now he's had a year's experience. So hopefully we can start seeing him, you know, be an explosive player we thought we were getting in the trade. You know, because you know, he has the potential to hit to hit a few bombs. You know, and he's, you know, out in centre field of field as well. Yeah, you know, with, with some something, some good plays out out in the field, you know, he could be exciting to watch for us. And I say, and on the mound, well, I say the four, the four, the four young, you know, young starters, you know, especially Smith, who, who who could put up a lot of K's. Yeah, you know, they, they should be exciting to watch. But yeah, I, I think on the whole, Brinson be the one I'm most looking forward to seeing for this season. Awesome. Well, a, a good follow question. You take this one, Rob. Uh, it's from. Um the Marlin Maniac account. Um, so at Marlin Maniac. And it's who do you project to be the consensus ace? Yeah, so um so I'm gonna go with Pablo Lopez. Um I think he is our future ace. Um the way he looked um especially uh, at parts of uh, last season and um, the kind of mix of of deliveries that he was he was be able he was able to uh, to give to really confuse the bats, 
Um, you know, he had his curveball, his changeup. It all looked really good. His fastball looked good. And then in spring training, absolutely everything looks better. Last year, he was a very much a ground ball guy. Suddenly in spring training, there's a lot of strikeouts. And if that's the case, then he could be a strikeout and ground ball guy. Um, and, you know, the, the ones who do well there are your true, true aces. Now, I, I, I really like Jose Urania. And um, I think he has been the standout, you know, player. Um, we had especially, you know, the way he pitched last last September. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of the hype's been around sort of Alcantara. Um, but I think Lopez will end up being the ace. Yeah, looks it. it am I right in thinking his velocity's up as well? Yeah, yeah, his velocity's up. And that's where the strikeouts are coming through on the fastballs. Um, so he just looks, just looks like he's just a year on. He's he's not the rookie anymore, and that's that's you know one thing you've got to take away from our, our entire pitching staff is that you know Smith and and Lopez and Richards, um, and Alcantara were well, all rookies. They're now a year on. They've got that experience which they didn't have before. Um, so I think our you know competition for pitching is going to be going to be high. But uh, yeah, I think I think. You know, this time next year, I think you could see uh, Lopez as your opening day guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. All right, guys. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day there. Uh, appreciate everyone's time. It's been great. Uh, great was, first episode. Been good fun. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed, it. Um, Enjoyed it. I know everyone's active on Twitter. So do you guys want to just let everyone know where they can follow you, send abuse, congratulate you on this episode and the likes? Uh, <laughs> they want to. Rob, where are you at? Um, I'm at uh, Rob Norwich UK. Me? I am at Lee Marlin 87. See what you did there. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Dan? I am at LFC Miami fan. Awesome. And then for those uh, for those who don't follow the Marlins account at the moment, it's Miami Marlins underscore UK, uh, where you can get me. Uh, so this is episode one in the books. Uh, we'll look forward. We're going to look to do this on a weekly basis. So looking forward to feedback and comments from everyone. Um, and uh, we'll hopefully hopefully see you guys soon. Thanks for that. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Have a good one.